0: what's up ladies and gentlemen you are listening to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts i'm gabriel i'm here with my always amazing co-host kayla Beatty. this week's episode international fight week 2018 So, of course, fans, if you're a big follower of mixed martial arts or you just seem to notice these things, you know that Fourth of July weekend is the biggest in our sport. The UFC has just made it just a much bigger event every year since about 2008. And, of course, other promotions, other companies just involved around the sport obviously do their best to provide more content. So... This week's show is going to be formatted a little differently. Fans obviously know that we tend to recap last week's event, do MMA news, and then, of course, preview the card. But the story that's been going around since Tuesday, the one that we really just have to address now, unfortunately, the breaking news of Max Holloway being out of UFC 226. He will not be fighting Brian Ortega kayla i mean just talk to me real quick uh, i mean i don't i know i texted you about it how did you find out about the news though
1: yeah so i think i went on social media or checking the news um you know like we tend to do throughout the day and as soon as i read the headlines and saw a bunch of you know memes and gifs up i i don't know i was i probably was heartbroken just like the rest of us it's a huge loss to the cart for sure and just scary because we still don't really have an idea of what's going on with max holloway's condition
0: yeah i mean kayla i put this one up there with uh the tony habib fight falling through just um look i i said it leading up to it this was Probably going to be the most competitive fight to me on paper. Both of these men, just so many weapons, so many reasons to get excited for the fight. You really just feel like you're watching the next generation. And then, of course, you know, it falls through. Um, Kayla, first off, obviously, like, just best wishes to Max Holloway. Just that they figure out what's going on. um, From what Dana White has said, doctors are little sure exactly what's going on, but people are saying part of it could be the weight cut. He has, you know, as he's gotten a little older, it's not as easy for him to make 145. People also say concussion symptoms, so there is obviously a chance that he just got cracked pretty good in training, getting ready for a fight against a tough guy. So we hope that they figure it out. Um, Kayla, we can only sit and wait for Max Holloway. But, of course, you know, the point of our show is we talk about what's going on and what's going to happen. Let's talk about the featherweight division. Brian Ortega says he's going to wait. Let me throw this one first to you. How long would you say Brian Ortega should wait for Max Holloway?
1: Um, Should wait? I mean, I would wait to see if something at least is being discussed to happen before the end of the year. If they can play it back, um, you know, sooner than that, great. But I think business-wise, unless they figure out, like, you know, a main event falls out and they know that these two guys can do it, they know how much hype was surrounding around this fight, that they're not going to just put it on a fight night. So it's all about do they want to stack it for that New Year's Eve card? Like, I think timing is really going to push it back probably more than health, unless – you know, I'm hoping that we don't get really bad news that Max Holloway needs more time to recover. So I think the timing is really going to come into play. But I, I, yeah, I think Brian Ortega should wait around. I think the only reason why other fights were being thrown around was just because people wanted to see them him fight, and because they really wanted to stack this international fight week card. I think that he made the right decision not going and facing a Jeremy Stevens or. Who was the other person they were trying to throw Frankie out? Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar. Yeah, I think it was wise for him to wait just because this fight had a lot of momentum and I think he's ready for the title shot. So so why, you know, take that chance like a Frankie Edgar did or like a... Who was someone that took a chance and got knocked out and kind of bumped down? Like a Cubs
0: one? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Luke Rockhold too. We remember
1: Exactly, like a Luke Rockhold. So why take that chance and, and lose the momentum that you have going on?
0: I agree. I think that there is a genuine level of hype and excitement about Brian Ortega for good reason. So to really just um, to jump into something too soon I think would be the, a wrong business move. Look, I get it. Some of these guys, your Frankie Edgars and others, they're warriors. They're like, you know what, I just want to get out there and go. Um, like we just have seen with Max Holloway and other people, anything can happen. And so for a fighter to say, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit. I want that big fight. I don't think you can really knock them for it. I can't knock Brian for saying he's going to wait. Like you said, it's about timing and health. I do want to say on this note, when you're talking about concussion symptoms, I always point at TJ Grant. He was the guy five fight win streak knocking dudes out had a title shot booked a title shot had to pull out of the fight and because of his symptoms and injuries he actually never even so when you're talking about a fighter suffering from that i actually say take even more time than is necessary because this is something you know just like bones and everything else the brain is something that can be very fragile you really don't want to mess with it so if it is a longer period of time. I agree with you. I think 2018 is going to be about the limit. If we're still waiting on Max, if we have no timetable as we head into winter, then I think Brian should consider taking on somebody like a Jeremy Stevens. And I will point this out. You're probably thinking that um, Jeremy, if he beats Jose Aldo, is going to be next in line for the title anyway. You kind of have to beat both Max and Jeremy back to back. If you're Brian Ortega and you're thinking about, you know, starting things. So it might just be like, hey, you either fight him now or you got to fight him later. But it's not like he's going to fall out of the rankings. So I believe that is something you have to keep in mind. Um, Frankie Edgar is right there. Um, The only thing about that is obviously uh, Frankie has already lost to Brian Ortega. If Brian chooses to wait, I can see them possibly doing Frankie versus Jeremy. And, of course, you know, you have to factor in Jose Aldo. Um, Jose Aldo isn't an easy opponent for anybody, even for somebody surging like Jeremy Stevens. So there's going to be a lot to figure out. Obviously, it's going to come down to how soon does Max come back? What do they say is going on? But I think after we figure that out, we're going to find out a lot more about who's going to wait, who's not going to. But I will say this, just from the way as serious as they're making it sound, Kayla, I don't want to see Max Holloway back before November at this rate. If it's that serious, I'd rather he just take the necessary weeks. I don't want him doing pad work. I don't want him bouncing, really jumping around. I want, you know, him to just really take his time, make sure everything's all right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that this is someone that's still very young and has so much potential as the, you know, the newer champ that, um, why risk his health and risk his legacy?
0: I gotta say, do you think somebody just pissed off the MMA gods? You know, did somebody, you know, is it because they're making Chuck Tito three? And that angered them, and they're like, you know what? We're giving you so many good fights. How dare you insult us with this atrocity? That they that that this happened to our beloved champion Max Holloway.
1: I mean, it could be. I'm sure that that a uh, Tito Chuck fight has the MMA gods rolling over.
0: Or did you do something unspeakable? Like you said, another Gabriel is your favorite Gabriel in MMA
1: i would never
0: mm-hmm. i want you to know you're my favorite kayla in mma and that's including that new girl kayla harrison who made her debut
1: wow okay well i feel special about that because she's pretty cool
0: <laughs> you should i mean she had a sick armbar. that was like ronda rousey status right there but yeah. yeah kayla i mean obviously look we're gonna find out about max holloway um as the weeks go on so we certainly wish him the best and look this is tough um I do want to say this on the business side of it Kayla there's always there's this talk about we need a pay-per-view draw right who's gonna be the superstar who's gonna get people really just showing up and tuning in in big numbers for UFC right the Mm -hmm. Tony Habib fight was supposed to be one that possibly made that guy This fight, Max Bryan, could have been the one that really made that guy one of these genuinely exciting, you've got superstar potential here. I can't say that it's not a big blow to the UFC. And we talked about this, you know. I don't think even before this happened that 226 was bigger than 225 in June. And to lose this fight, it's not that DC Stipe isn't big. It's not that it's not exciting but it definitely isn't the supercar you want if you're the UFC pumping in all this money what do you think about that on the business side of things
1: well I think kind of adding to what you said in the beginning of the segment Stipe and DC is amazing it's a super fight of two guys who have been around in the sport and are so experienced but like you had said Max and Brian are kind of that new wave that new wave of guys that we can see having being legends of the sport. So I think that's what really added to this card is we kind of lost that. Now you do still have a Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis who are kind of more exciting, fairly new guys. Um, But, but yeah, it was just a matter of that. These are two top level young guys in the featherweight division. When you've had someone that's been so dominant, like a Jose Aldo or Connor coming in there and doing what he did that's what we really lost with this card and i'm and even in that one of the last interviews that max holloway did he mentioned that dana or someone in the ufc had told him that already they were seeing the numbers and the hype behind that specific fight that it had record-breaking potential so I, i i know we'll see the fight eventually
0: yeah and i think um you gotta say it like it is just um Fourth of July cards in recent years have really just been a little cursed. Um, I think just off the top of my head, obviously, there was uh, John Jones falling out two years ago. And then that one technically was supposed to have Conor McGregor before, you know, the just the Conor McGregor business and everything that was going on. I want to say that Jose Aldo fell out of a fight with McGregor um, the year before. Uh, Amanda Nunez Valentina got pulled last year it's something about this date I don't know but um look I think the UFC just has to keep going with it obviously you know you can't predict these things but um yeah it's it's just worth noting like yes stuff just seems to happen with this 4th of July date for some reason
1: Brooklyn. I if you are going to stack, you know, a card with some of these big names, maybe, I don't know, give them a little bit more attention leading up to fight week. Maybe that's what needs to happen is checking in more with people because, you know, John Jones was a risky person. We know he had issues in the past. Obviously we all kind of, the rug was swept underneath us because we all really believed, you know, from what we heard that he was back and, um, You know, not going to have any trouble from before, but maybe it's a matter of just when you have these champions and because of the bad luck, like check in with them a little bit and really see where they're at. If someone had checked in with Amanda Nunes, maybe they would have gotten this sense of like, hey, something's up. And then you would have been able to save that card a little bit with more time.
0: I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that if you're UFC, listen to Ms. Kayla Beatty right now. She's speaking some brilliance. Um, I, I completely agree. I think that, um, look, California's working on it. Uh, I think that the UFC should just follow suit. Um, you want to, like, look, it's about business. You want to make sure these super fights make it or if you could salvage events. These are the steps you need to take if you're really committed to having your product out there. But Kayla, I mean, of course, listening to that, that's part of the fun of covering events with you. We'll talk back more about UFC 226 in a minute. But, of course, you know, last week we had a very great Bellator event. It's trending. It's one of the highest rated for Bellator this year. And it, of course, featured a champion we're both familiar with, Alima Alimale McFarland defeating Colombia's Alejandro Lara in the main event. Kayla, I said it last week, just I feel like Alejandra is a better athlete. I don't know if she had necessarily the skills and especially in the grappling. And really, I think that was the difference. You really saw the experience and the just overall game of Alima. She just had more tricks in the bag at those critical moments. And that's really how she throttled Alejandra. What were your thoughts on the fight?
1: Yeah, well, one, I love that it's trending and that it's one of their more successful events because I think, of course, I love the fact that it it was headlined by the ladies and there were so many great stories there, but we also had a lot of those wrestlers that they've signed and just up-and-coming young talent, too, and I feel like, collectively, the card really delivered. Um, Of course, I might be a little biased because every time we're there covering them, I just tend to have more fun. But, no, I think when you look at the fights and, and the, the overall card, it, it delivered for sure. But um, regarding the main event, yeah, I mean, I firsthand have seen how hard alima's in there working and adding to her skill set. I know that she recently, you know, got an upgrade in belts, and it, it, it really showed. I think what I was most impressed with, too, is just she's so calm in there. You know, like you said, Alejandra was definitely someone who – her confidence was almost a little threatening, uh, you know, just hearing her in interviews. Um, and then like you said, she's very athletic and very flexible. But I think Alima and her team went in there with a great game plan and she kept her cool and and waited for that arm bar opportunity. Obviously she, you know, had a chance at it. It looked like it wasn't gonna be able to um be finished, but her skill set and just experience was um clearly there. And, you know, but I think that Alejandra is someone that definitely I'm excited to see back in there. And this was a great fight for her to learn from, too.
0: Yeah, I think that um, really the moments that stand out to me, you remember that Alejandra was pushing forward in the first round. And then Alima, even when she ends up on her back, is the aggressor going for so many submission attempts. Similar to, um, was it Michelle Waterson, Courtney Casey? I know it was Karate Hottie, but I forget her opponent. It was the same thing. Yes, Watterson's on bottom, but submission attempt after submission, you gave her the round. I had it the same for Alima. Second round, Alejandra's like rallying back, but then mm-hmm. Alima just gets that beautiful throw and just takes all the wind out of her sails. And then, of course, in the final frame, Alejandra goes for that spinning attempt and just, you know, not ready for Alima's takedown. Gets right under her. From there, it was a wrap. Um, Alima knew Alejandra was flexible, but just was able to really secure her so that Alejandra couldn't just stretch and roll herself out of it. Finishes that armbar. So just beautifully executed by Alima. She did what she had to, and she faced a tough opponent in Alejandro. So I agree. I'm ready to see both of them back. There was a lot of action on the card. Um, just fighters, a lot of finishes, which was fun. But the fight we need to talk about, of course, is who's next for Alima McFarlane. And we saw her on the same night, Valerie Letourneau taking out Christina Williams by decision. Kayla, this one was just a lot of fun. Talk to me about it.
1: Yeah, definitely my favorite fight of the night. I mean, both girls were going for it. I like it put such a smile on my face thinking about Christina War- Hor- Horace Williams in that last, like, half of the second and third, I mean, even Valerie brought it up in our scrum after, she just had this look in her eyes that, I mean, she is a real fighter, she is, um, I don't know, just so exciting to me that her third fight in, she delivered such a performance like that, but I think the experience of Valerie, um, you know, with her work on the ground, and just maybe being a more well-rounded fighter than Christina was, was able to get that win. But both ladies, I want to say, I know they threw in the first pretty wild, too. But in that second and third, I mean, just flurries of punches going for it. Really, really giving us an exciting fight. So, um, you know, I think it was great. I think what was nice is what Valerie had mentioned in the scrum is she was not so much questioning whether or not she would want to continue, but if she didn't think that she could really fight some of these up and coming girls in the division and really get close to that title shot. She did say that the, the word retirement was something that she had kind of discussed or at least thought about. And I think that was really nice to see that she saw that she can still perform at a high level. And she saw that Alima and I think even Scott and, you know uh, collectively people want to see her fight for the title next so really really fun um, fight to watch for sure what did you think of it
0: i mean uh, like you said just those flurries um the first round they both knock each other down briefly and yeah just their willingness to exchange when you talk about christina williams and i told this to you we were sitting next to each other at press row (laughs) there's this moment in that second and third they get into a flurry and Christina just smiles at her like she's enjoying it. And I was just like, oh, God, that's, uh, you know, that's just a killer in there. And I love it personally. I think that's the kind of attitude that um, you don't see often enough. And to see just a very green, very, um, I don't want to say um, inexperienced, but just this younger fighter in their career, having Mm -hmm. that kind of attitude that just says so much um the ground game was really what did it though i told you um valerie would get christina on the ground i was saying christina needs to get to the cage and use it to walk but valerie immediately drags her to the center of the cage i mean that's the kind of veteran move that christina just isn't ready for yet um and of course, that's just credit to Valerie. She was able to execute it against a tough, hungry fighter. So I'm very impressed with Valerie. I think that she showed a lot. She showed that she has some fight in her. And I think that's why she was so emotional was that she knows it hasn't always looked good. She knows she dropped three fights to leave the UFC and that maybe she wasn't, you know, like maybe she Thought that people felt like she's already on her way out. And so for her to get that win, I think is a big one. Um, there's a lot of talk. Will they be in Canada? Will they be in Hawaii? Kayla, I want to point this out. When you talk about UFC going to Hawaii, they need to be at the Aloha Stadium, which is the largest one on all of the islands. It's the largest venue. And that's one of the big issues. It's outdoors. Bellator quite bluntly it doesn't sell in the same numbers they don't have to worry as much about it i think it is actually going to be easier if bellator were to do an event there because they can do an indoor arena they don't have to worry about being outside let me ask you what do you think about that idea
1: i mean we are we saw the amount of hawaiian love and support that were in the stands we heard them and that was people traveling to Temecula. So I really I think that Alima's star power, um, maybe even throwing a few other Hawaiian uh, athletes on the card. We even you know kind of talked behind the scenes with some people, um, some coaches that had Hawaiian fighters that were there in attendance and are hoping to eventually have their fighters signed. I mean I, I think that yeah a Hawaiian card is is on the cusps for one of these promotions, if not both. And I actually think that, you know, the Hawaiians are going to definitely outsell that venue and, and maybe surprise them with the amount of, um, I guess, just support that they'll get.
0: Yeah, I think just logistically, it might be a little easier for Bellator just because of their numbers. But um, look, I mean, you just like uh, this last one, if you you stack it correctly, I don't see why they can't do it. I mean, you really, you know, you're not talking about a big infrastructure. Bellator really does, you know, because of their logistics, I think it's just going to be easier. They don't put on as big of a pageantry. And I think a lot of the stuff that maybe UFC clears when they come to town. So I think that's just something to keep an eye on. But I think it's more possible. And I think the vibe that we're getting is that that could be in the cards. I think they're just got to, obviously handled the business side of things but kayla it was a fun event you and i got to go on another adventure which is always you know how much i enjoy them we get to hang out we get to talk to the fighters really experience everything so i had a lot of fun what about you
1: yeah i did too i was really impressed with a lot of the fighters on the card became a new fan a bigger fan of um juan archuleta and christina williams Um, Tyrell fortune. Yeah, it was, it was a really fun card. Um, and Temecula was fun. I liked the little bit of exploring we got to do. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see where their next big event is going to be and see, you know, where they're actually going to have this title fight. And like you said, it's just, um, it's exciting to know that they have plans of, of wanting to pursue fights in, uh, Canada and, and Hawaii and with their new deal with, Dazen, or
0: however you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say like, the, the zone, I think. Um, and I will say, because we're so loaded with fights, we obviously have roughly two fight cards to talk about. We're not going to do a lot of the MMA news this week, but we are aware we will be talking about, you know, changes. We will be talking about Bellator's deal with the zone. And um, everything else coming up next week with MMA news. I think we just want to keep this more to international fight week stuff because there's so much going on. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to going surfing with Alima and them when we get to Hawaii. (laughs) And, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll invite Max Holloway. Maybe I'll drink a pina colada out of a coconut with BJ Penn. I think it'll be good. Moving on, of course, Kayla, the award show, the only award show for mixed martial arts, the World MMA Awards held by Fighters Only magazine. And yeah, I mean, this one haven't aired on TV yet, but the results did happen, so I thought we'd go over them. Kayla, very little in terms of surprises. Max Holloway won Fighter of the Year. Sorry, Rose Namajunas, Female Fighter of the Year. Other stuff, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Fight of the Year. And GANU took the knockout for Alistair Overeem. And Demetrius Johnson, the submission. Uh, Kayla, just talk to me about those results.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of adds to the um, sting of Max Holloway not being able to perform, right, when he receives an award for Fighter of the Year and then this stuff happens. That's just um, kind of a bummer. I love that Rose was recognized, I think, Justin Gaethje winning just kind of adds to what he's already brought into the UFC as far as star power. Clearly people love to see this man fight. So I really am um, excited for his fight coming up. And let me think who, uh, let me go over the winners. You just said, Oh, you know, knockout of the year, like, like they're saying, and are you said in your recap, you know, the UFC definitely took in a lot of these wins but I think that there were so many people that were nominated that I was really happy with. I love that Alima was nominated. I love that um, we had like an Aaron Pico knockout uh, on the list. But and the, the Paul Daly versus Brennan Ward, like there were so many great performances. That's nice about this, is you're reminded, like, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot about that one after Francis and Ngannou almost killed Alistair Overeem. But, yeah, I mean, if anyone was deserving of knockout, I think that's going to be knockout of the decade, really. I don't see how anyone else can shock, you know, um, us like that. But we'll see.
0: I mean, I just don't know how you could really hit someone hard that and just have the same kind of dramatic effect. That's what I always keep going to with that knockout. But um you say it so perfectly and I actually repeat it all the time. We all knew a knockout like that was possible, but the fact that it still shocks us is why it was so good. Um but yeah uh I loved um in the award show Justin Gaethje when he won um his second award he was quick to mention that he won two Rose Namajunas won too, and that they both had the same coach, which was named Coach of the Year and Trevor Whitman. That's just sharing the love. I think that for a guy who's now like to enjoy his moment because he's that new kid who really just is so popular in the UFC, I like that he was just willing to share that and acknowledge that. I think that says a lot about who he is and the nature of our sport. So I like that. The other one that stood out to me, John McCarthy wins the award for referee of the year. And next year, he might be in another category for personality or analyst. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He's been, you know, going full force, working lots of events. I personally like this change um, and, and think it's so cool to see someone who's been around in the sport for so long really want to take full advantage of, of any opportunity he can grab. And, and, you know, this new venture for him has been going well so far. So um, good that they are giving credit as a ref and we'll see next year if he can get a new type of award.
0: That'd be awesome. Also, you know, well-deserved lifetime achievement, Um, just fighters everywhere. They're just assured that things are being handled perfectly when big John was inside the cage. So I think that says a lot, um, and I hear there. that
1: he's actually doing a seminar all weekend on roughing um, and, and coaching guys. I, um, and he's there with Mike Beltran. So he's a hard worker. That's for sure.
0: Is Yamasaki there?
1: I don't. I didn't hear you, if Yamasaki's <laughs> there or not.
0: Gotta, somebody got to check in. You know, it's the, the refresher course. You know, maybe it's offered at a discount for Mario. But um, yeah, you know, just really a lot of fun stuff. Um, I was gonna bring up something else, and I just forgot it. What was it? Um, yeah, I think I mean I think that's just pretty much it. Um, Kayla, I am a little insulted though. Why? I gotta tell you. Because MMA Daily was not nominated for best MMA programming, and I feel like that's just disrespectful.
1: Gee, we got to work our way up. We're still very new in the game, but there's always next year.
0: I mean, but, like, who's even heard of that show, The Ultimate Fighter? <laughs> I, th- I mean, I don't know. I'm ready. Get, uh, let me ask you. So what, when we win the award, what's our acceptance speech going to be? Oh, who's talking first when we win the award, you or me?
1: Um, I told you this. I've told you time and time. I'm someone that speaks in the moment, gee. G. Oh, well, you can have I mean, that prepared. You can have something prepared and I'll just, um, I'll chime in. But I'm not, right. gonna, I'm not, what is it? I'm not going to count my eggs before the chickens hatch them.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I am trying to visualize it into existence. That's my strategy.
1: All right. I but, like um, it. Manifestation.
0: Uh, there we go. But no, so Fighters Only, MMA Daily, every week on iTunes. Check it out. But yeah, it was a good one. Um, UFC uh, promotion of the year. That's no surprise. So I'm looking forward to next year. I think we already have a lot of great candidates. But Kayla, it is International Fight Week, which means not one, but two fight cards in the same weekend from the UFC. I mean, how do you even start with this? Um, Look, there's so many fights. Obviously, tonight is the ultimate fighter finale. So... We'll talk about just the, I guess, a recap of the show in a second, but really the one that's got a lot of people's attention, Brad Tavares versus Israel Adesanya. Adesanya, obviously, just this fantastic striker who's debuted in the UFC. Brad Tavares, a veteran, an ultimate fighter, alumni, and he's really just looking to break through into the middleweight picture. What are your thoughts on this fight?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a fun one for sure. I think that we all are wanting just to see Israel make that transition into MMA and continue fighting and see his growth um, in this new sport. I like how active he wants to be. Um, And then, you know, we have who is a veteran when it comes to, um, you know, the ultimate fighter, and and I think this is his second or third time fighting on a finale show um, or card. But yeah, as far as this fight, you know, I I was watching both guys in scrums and I think that one thing that I find very interesting is, and Brad Tavares really brought this up too, is, you know, Israel's having an interesting, I guess, journey MMA to me so far just with the way that he his personality might be or or be coming across in his in his interviews and his scrums. He's someone that definitely knows he has that potential and clearly work ethic and drive. But I am starting to see this, too, where it's almost like he's having to, you know, reassure himself that he can do this. And I think that, you know, going into this fight, maybe he should focus more on less talking and just go in there and, and focus on your skills. Um, I, I loved the comment that he made as far as pissing in the octagon and, and making it his territory, but I think that he kind of got a little ahead of himself. And, and the only reason why I say this is just um, going off of his last fight there.
0: Yeah, to me, um, the thing about Adesanya, he's like like, you put him on the stove to cook, And in his last two fights, he's only been simmering and everyone was expecting him to pop. Quite frankly, he hasn't popped yet, but he's talking such a big game that there's this disconnect. And I think that's what's so weird about it. Tavares has mentioned it. Like you said, I think Adesanya knows that like, hey, I'm supposed to be this guy. I could fight like John Jones and... I can just, uh, you know, he's so long and capable of it. The fact that he's not producing those results is something that is weighing on him. I think that um, when I see this, and we saw it with Anthony Pettis for a while, we see it sometimes with Jones, you have to just go back to the basics. I think that when you have guys like, say, who am I thinking of? Yair Rodriguez, for example. They try to do so many spins and all that And really the way to set him up, it's the jab, it's the teep, it's just basic combinations and it opens up your game to go for everything. And I feel like so often I see him in there and I feel like he's overthinking trying to figure out how can I best set up this highlight reel rather than Uh just going and landing shots and making your opponent give you that opportunity. And I feel like that's what I'm seeing Part of that is the skill level of his opponents now. They have all stepped it up. This isn't regional competition in New Zealand. These are guys who want to make their name off beating him and have watched his tape. I think that's part of it. Brad, UFC veteran since 2010. He really wants to break through, and he's on a four-fight win streak. I want to say it's the best of his... Well, no, he had a six... Yes, yeah, six-fight win streak in 2011, so... He knows that this is kind of his moment. He really wants to step up there and he's a well-rounded, versatile guy. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Kayla, who do you have winning it?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely gonna be a, a good main event. I part of me is thinking that Israel is going to just get that like exciting finish and just add to you know, what the, the momentum he has of going, of being like, no, I'm going to prove to you guys that I'm just going to get highlight finish after finish to try and get my way to a title shot. But I don't know. I, I My gut is telling me that Brad is just going to be that more experienced, grittier guy. Um, I do see him winning by decision, but I just think that he's going to have more tools and not... Um, I think he's gone against some really elite strikers... Um, and had that level of competition that I think that he's going to be smart about it and not give Israel the opportunity to, you know use his fantastic striking. So I'm seeing Brad by decision. What do you think?
0: I'm going with Brad too. I think he's just gonna smother him. I think quite frankly, the other guys that Israel has fought didn't have the abilities to really just control him and neutralize him with the grappling or against the clinch. I think Brad does. I think Brad is not interested in, trying to show off against Israel, he's going to smother him, he's going to look to beat him up on the ground, and um, it's up to Israel to counter him coming in, or get himself out of that position and set him up, but from what I've seen, he hasn't shown me that he's going to have that extra plan B and C if they don't stand right in front of him, so I have Brett Tavares by decision also. Um, If Israel pulled something out, obviously it would be a great jolt to his career, but I think Brad is having his moment. I think he's going to get the job done, too. Kayla, it's been a very fun we- just season of The Ultimate Fighter. We haven't recapped it as much as I wish we would have, but it's still been a lot of moments. I wanted to tell you, I finally saw that episode you were talking about with the talent show in the show.
1: Oh, good. What did you think of it?
0: I mean, I was more impressed with Luis Pena willing to let Bryce shoot a bow and arrow at him <laughs> I mean, yeah uh, that
1: talent show was pretty intense but um I think the one one man or one arm push-ups was was my favorite part
0: <laughs> yeah that was funny um I'm trying to think of just the other moments um John Gunther I mean we met him in episode one and he's got the llamas or the alpacas and I mean, I'm still not sure what's going on with him. But look, he's found something that sets his soul on fire. I think how can you not be happy for him? Uh, Dulani Perry against Tyler Diamond. I'm really glad the way that one came out because I think Dulani um, was uh, given not just a slice, but he kind of took the whole bakery in terms of humble pie on that one. <laughs> so there were just those moments that stood out. I would love to be the fly on the wall when Cain Velasquez was around Stipe Miocic. Those moments stood out to me this season, but what about you from what you saw?
1: I mean, I didn't get to see much. You know, gee, I've been moving and, you know, not really had a home base, so unfortunately I haven't been able to watch as much television as I'd like. But, um, yeah, just kind of reading up on the fights and recapping, I think that there's been some just good like really good talent i mean this was a season of undefeated fighters so obviously these are are a bunch of guys with a lot of potential and i think that we definitely have a few guys that i could see getting contracts and doing well in the ufc
0: yeah i mean when you think about it they're all still technically undefeated so you're going to have a lot of undefeated fighters tonight fighting but um it's going to be good of course the final matchups are i totally feel like i'm gonna float the name mike triziano against joe Giannetti, and then of course brad katana against jay cuccinello um i think jay's story is a great one um lost his first fight got brought back because of injury gets in there defeats the number one seed to make the final i think he's got the biggest story to prove tonight but um Top to bottom. It's just going to be a really good one, and I'm excited for it. So that's the first one. But, Kayla, tomorrow night, we I know we don't have Max, but we do still have a big super fight. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier, heavyweight champion, light heavyweight champion. Kayla, who's going to go home as the champ on Saturday night?
1: I mean, this main event, It's I love how everyone's saying this is a true super fight because these guys have accomplished so much in their career, have so much experience under their belts now, and, I, you know, I love it. I love that Daniel Cormier is on the later half of his career and still has opportunities like this to just make history. Um, and it's a really intriguing fight. I mean, the more that I've actually looked into it – my, I was kind of jumping on, uh, not the bandwagon, but just agreeing with a lot of people thinking that Stipe had this in the bag. But I think there's a lot of other factors coming into play with this fight. Um, you know, Daniel Cormier has given us a lot to to go off of. He's someone that's saying, you know, I'm not changing up my style this deep into my career. So we have an idea of of how he's going to address this fight. But I think what's also interesting is he's been really vocal just about the move up in weight and training at that weight too, you know, he's mentioned that in the beginning it's, it was pretty hard to train with that extra weight on. But I think the fact that he's being so open about that and now saying that he feels good, I think that I'm, I'm, I have more belief in his, and I guess conditioning that he'll be able to last all five rounds with this extra weight put on. I think that um, he makes a good point that everyone's talking about size, um, the size advantage that Stipe has, but he is someone that trains with a lot of bigger guys too. So um, those factors coming into play make me feel like it's definitely going to be a more competitive fight. And he even kind of had listed off all of Stipe's, um, you know, competition where he has done well and not that he was taking away anything from Stipe, um, his skill set, and how he's evolved as a champ. But Daniel Carmier really is one of those guys that's a well-rounded fighter. We obviously saw Francis Ngannou. He has that striking and, you know, beastly power, but he didn't have the wrestling and conditioning. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of people that Stipe has faced, but they didn't really throw a full, full – um, I guess game plan at him and Daniel Cormier's kind of made me feel like he a little bit he's a little more confident coming in there with that. But then talking about Stipe, he's somebody that to me has really evolved as a champion because he's faced all of those guys. He's prepared himself to have the fight go, you know whether it's to the ground, whether it's standing, um, whether it's going to be a five-round battle, or whether he's looking to just survive that first round and avoid that Francis and Ngannou knockout. He's someone that, to me, has a very high fight IQ. Him and his team go in there with a really great game plan, and he knows how to execute it. So when it comes down to this fight, I think what it's really going to come down to is who's going in there with this with a game plan and with that fight IQ but I don't even think that it's going to be of who can who's figured out how to approach each other I think it's also just going to be a matter of the MMA gods coming into play and who's going to get that opportunity to finish the other first and know how to seize that opportunity
0: well Caleb Beatty channeling the spirit of Joe Rogan Brian Stan with the analysis right there I'm am- I got to say, that's the most pumped up I feel like you've ever gone in on a I'm fight, I'm really excited. I'm, impressed.
1: I'm really excited about this
0: fight. No, I love it. I- <laughs> she went in. Usually, sometimes you're more reserved, but I could tell you're pumped for it. It got me excited just listening to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, where do you start? Uh, when you talk about just super fight, like you said, this is stipe's just cleaned out everybody dc has cleaned out everybody who has stayed clean um they really are that big test for the other um for daniel cormier i think it's about personality he is feeling himself he is feeling good he feels prepared for this fight and i think that you're seeing that on the show in the interviews in his body language I think that says a lot. I hope he doesn't trip again because God knows that gave us a heart attack
1: yesterday. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yes. I was like, oh, Lord, Dana White went to church last night. I don't care where he said he was. <laughs> but um, look, I mean, he's like you said, he's a well-rounded guy. I said this, and I've told you this privately. I've said it publicly. I have felt that Daniel Cormier, the first time he fought John Jones, He had a very protected run to the title he beat a lot of guys when those guys were losing a ton of fights he didn't fight somebody i feel was on the up and up that's changed he's really had a great difficulty of schedule and he's been dominant and the guys that he was better than he really showed why he's so great he made it a one-sided fight so i'm a big believer in daniel cormier Stipe Miocic, I know that he's, he's like the rest of us. He's just a champion. That's what I think is the disconnect is that he's so chill. He's so just personable. He's not about being, you know, the scary, you know, I'm baddest man on the planet. He goes to work as a firefighter. He likes enjoying his Cleveland baseball team or basketball team. And, That's maybe why people aren't as big on him. But the fact is, he's arguably the best heavyweight of the decade. I'd argue that he's the best heavyweight of all time. If he wins against Daniel Cormier, he is just that good in terms of his skills. And he's shown that against his opponents. That's what makes this fight so big. Kayla, I mean, so Stipe weighed in this morning at 241. Daniel Cormier 246, so actually a little bit bigger. What I take that to be is that Daniel Cormier is expecting to just push him to the clinch, get on top, and just try to use his size to just sit on top of Stipe and wear him down. I don't know if I believe in that, and I'll say this. Um, most fighters are taller than DC. Very few of them have been just as Dirty, Like, yes, a rumble is close to it. John Jones, though, was really just taller, lankier. Stipe has a stronger base, and he's still got that kind of knockout power. I think that's going to be the key. Can DC eat those big shots on his way in to try to take him down and hold him there? And if you're Stipe, can you get out from on bottom of DC if he gets you there? It's close, and it is tough um I see this being a very drawn-out fight I think that DC isn't someone who's going to go away quietly neither is Stipe so it could really go either way I'm gonna toss it to you though you told me that Stipe is underrated but you love Daniel Cormier who's winning
1: well, one fun fact, too, that I also read is that when Daniel Cormier was fighting in the heavyweight um, division, that he was ranked number two when Stipe was still just a prospect coming up. I thought that was a fun little fact to throw in there. So definitely, um, you know, time the times have changed. Um, I think that Stipe is, my gut just tells me that he's going to be able to find an opening to put away Daniel Cormier. I think it will be in the later rounds because I think, like you said, it's going to be, you know, a tough fight because just both men are so skilled and competitive. But my gut's telling me Stipe wins this. What about
0: I'm going with Stipe also. is about um, the power. I think that unlike Rumble, who needs space, Stipe works so well with those short punches, <laughs> short hooks, short uppercuts. And he really is just so accurate. He's taking out guys like Dos Santos and Overeem with him. Um, That's because he is that smart and that technical. Mm -hmm. I see him being able to find those punches to slow down DC. And I see him being well prepared to shrug him off and do damage on the break. I can't say that DC can do the same damage from what I've seen in his fights. That's what has me favoring Stipe to remain the heavyweight champion. Um, look, all week I've been feeling that Stipe could get the finish. I think it'll probably be around the third or fourth, but, um, yeah, if it, it could, if it goes the distance, it's just because of toughness, I think. What about you though? Decision?
1: Um, no, I think that Stipe gets the finish in probably the fourth or fifth.
0: All right. All right. So we are picking and still for Stipe Miasic. Of course, you know, there is still a lot of fun to be had on this card. Kayla, let me just say it. Thank goodness it's finally going to happen. Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis. I read this tweet, and I almost shared it, but I thought it was just too disrespectful. They said, this fight, they should do special rules, two-minute rounds, five-minute break between rounds for five rounds. And I was like, dude, yes, that would be so awesome. I mean, where do we start with this just battle of giants?
1: Yeah, um, I think what I'm excited to see is I want to see a um, more evolved Francis Ngannou. I want to see that he learned from the fight against the champ. I want to see better conditioning. I think that Derek Lewis is an interesting human being and is probably the only person, um, you know, at least in that division, that doesn't fear Francis Ngannou's power and strength i really just he i mean if he if he does fear it he really is good about hiding it but i think that um you know that's just the confidence he has going in there um or the way that he's able to just go into fights more lackadaisical so i think for that reasoning he is not going to be like not saying that he's not going to be smart about going in and shooting for a double leg and getting it to the ground and finishing francis with um his ground and pound, but I think that he's not going to show that hesitation. I think that if Francis does get this, uh, you know, does win this fight, it's going to be because his accuracy, you know, his power, he's able to catch Derek as he goes in for a takedown. But for some reason, I just, um, I I think we will see a more evolved Francis and Ganu, but I don't know if it's enough to, um, to be able to, I guess, fight off Derek Lewis's if the round if it goes later in the rounds.
0: I think that Francis' style favors the later rounds. He's oh, he more did. looking to counter, and I think that's a big part of it. Derek likes to lead the dance, so to speak. He likes to be the aggressor, and very few people can actually deal with his size and his power when he's coming forward. And, of course, he's like a Mack truck if he ends up on top of you. I think that when, I've been feeling Francis Ngannou just because I feel like he's going to be smart enough to not stand in front of Derek or he's going to be able to make Derek hesitate to want to come in because they know they're just going to have that collision of fists on the face. And I feel like Derek isn't used to fighting somebody who can just get in there and really just has that kind of power behind him. So I feel like that favors Francis. I think that if Derek gets him down, I, I feel like Derek's in a better place mentally, quite bluntly. I know Francis wants to change things and he has something to prove. I just feel like Derek, though, has is going to want to take those risks. And I think that Francis is going to struggle with that. <sighs> I still got to say Francis and Ganu, though. I think that he's just got that kind of, mindset and preparedness that he's going to be ready for Derek Lewis. What about you?
1: Yeah, this is a hard one to predict. Um, but I for some reason my gut's telling me that Derek Lewis is going to be able to, you know, tire him out and then I'm thinking that he, you know, is able to get a, a successful takedown maybe in round 2 or 3 and finish him with ground and pound. I, I really hope that we see a more conditioned Francis Ngannou, but I don't know if he's done enough. I guess um, I, I I don't know. I hope I'm wrong because I'd love to see a more evolved Francis Ngannou. That's just scary and exciting, but I'm t- I'm thinking uh, Derek Lewis finish in the second.
0: Derek Lewis, all right, all right. I mean, we gotta look. Someone's going down. Even if they're not knocked out and they go to decision exhausted, someone will fall, and I like that about this fight. So it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Next fight in the lightweight division, Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. Chiesa missed weight for this fight, and he did say publicly, like, this is my last fight at lightweight. That says a lot, I think, about your mindset going in. He is still going to fight Anthony Pettis tomorrow. Um, the way I've said it is Anthony Pettis is still the same guy who knows how to do ninja kicks off the cage. It's about the execution, and I don't know if, he, if it's part injury, part confidence, part competition. It's probably a combination of everything, but I feel like Pettis is a stylistically bad matchup because if Chiesa pressures him forward, I don't feel like Pettis has that backup to be able to go to a, a takedown of the ground game or to set himself up and get himself out of it with punches on the break, just his jab or everything else. So I think that this still favors Chiesa. I think that um he's going to fight a little safer, knowing that he just had that issue with the weight cut. So I don't know. Pettis obviously still has a lot of abilities, but I think stylistically it favors Chiesa. How do you feel about this fight?
1: I just feel like you dropped another, you know, breaking news story like Max being pulled. I had no idea that he had missed weight, and I'm super disappointed. I'm kind of a little upset about it, actually. Um, I had just watched uh, a scrum of him talking all, like, Just being very passionate about how he feels like he lost a shot at the title, how he's feeling like he's in the best place after being at the the UFC Performance Center and um, saying that this weight cut was uh, one of the easier ones or he's predicting it to be easier. Maybe I watched an old scrum, maybe it was from a couple weeks ago, but to hear that now he's thinking this is his last fight at lightweight. I mean, I don't know. I guess at least you're being real with us that you don't think that you can make uh, weight at 155. But I, I, I wish he wouldn't have said that because even if you miss weight and it's a slip up to hear that now you're just willing to, like, leave that division, I don't think he really wanted that title shot that much. But anyways, um yeah, I think that a lot of people feel this way. We've seen Anthony Pettis not do well with someone um, putting the pressure on him. Michael Chiesa can definitely do that, has the skills to take it to the ground and be dominant. One thing that I'm um, a little confused by, too, is I keep he- reading or hearing interviews of Anthony Pettis just talking about how people are trying to get tell him, hey, you need to evolve your game and grow with the sport and incorporate – wrestling into your skill set and he thinks that he can be successful and get a title shot um you know just falling back on his jiu-jitsu which is i think we've definitely seen improving with each fight and then of course the striking ability that he has but the champion of your division right now is a very dominant wrestler so i think that that's kind of silly to say out loud that you don't want to incorporate that skill set into you know your mixed martial arts capability but um yeah, I I I favor Michael Chiesa but I also feel like he gets very emotional so now that this weight cut drama is happening, I don't know. I think that um I've I've definitely seen a more improved and better mindset of Anthony Pettis in his last two fights. Um, there was moments that I was impressed with and, and a believer, and I think the reason why we're getting this fight is because the UFC sees some potential for him to go back on a title shot run. So, I don't know. Now with this news that you dropped, I'm kind of favoring Pettis. I think that maybe he's going to be smart and not allow Michael Chiesa to pressure him against the cage. Or, or And he did say that he's worked on his takedown defense. So now I'm thinking Pettis and maybe... Maybe Pettis
0: by decision. All right. I I, I got to just – I think – I mean, I, I, I feel you on everything, Michael Chiesa. Um, if I'm being honest, I feel – well, all right. My, my pick is going to be Michael Chiesa, just to get out of the way decision. I think he's still – I think he's just going to fight a, a better fight. I think he's just going to be able to do what he needs to, and he's going to want to – fight a little more carefully because he knows the criticism is coming, as it should. Um, With Michael Chiesa, I I think he feels some sort of way about how he's regarded. I I genuinely believe it bothers him. Um, For example, I think he felt like he was just so overlooked against Kevin Lee. I think he doesn't like how looking with the yes, with the yo mama comments and all that stuff. I think he feels like, you know, maybe he was overlooked. Like, for example, with the Conor McGregor situation with the Dolly, if Rose Nami had gotten pulled from the card, you'd be in uproar. How dare he do that? This is strawweight champion, a woman, and all that, et cetera, et cetera. Or if he had done it to somebody else, let's say Habib or a Max Holloway, there would have been more uproar. I don't think he likes how people just kind of have forgotten him in terms of the situation like yes you know it's wrong but they're not talking about oh Michael Chiesa could have fought for the lightweight title
1: I don't think he yeah, likes but Rose that Nama-Yuna people just, don't say that Rose Namayuna's is just one female fighter of the year she's done things in her career to build that hype around her what has Michael Chiesa done to really have some momentum and hype like, strongly behind his name, like a Rose namayunas You know, you have to build that.
0: And I agree. He is, he has put in a lot of fights, but the fact <laughs> is, some people get hype, get people to get hyped around them. Others, for one reason or another, don't. I don't think he likes that he feels he's put in work, but can't do it. And the Conor McGregor thing is almost like a slap in the face, like, this literally happened and like people still only want to talk to me about, you know, him and what about the stuff I'm doing. I think that's part of it and I think that's why we see him coming off that way. Uh look, I think that um I think he's got to fight he's going to fight more carefully because he knows that this stuff is going around. I think it's a closer fight to today than I would have said yesterday, but I think that might just inspire him to fight a little differently the way, to fight better as he needs to against Pettis, so I think that's what we're going to see, so I don't know, but I think that's what I would say is going on with him if I had to put my finger on it. Kayla, of course, the final fight rounding out the main card, Um, I want to say in the light heavyweight division, I know I'm a bad reporter and analyst for not knowing that, but Gokun Saki versus Khalil Roundtree, just yeah, two guys, fun. light heavyweight. Look, Gokun Saki, I always play this clip. He has this one where he knocked down Alistair Overeem and kickboxing with, like, this tornado spinning kick that it just is sick. Khalil Roundtree, been in the UFC a minute, heavy hitter, not really looking to go to the ground, but has that option. I mean... Talk to me about it. Is Saki gonna pull out another highlight reel knockout?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously he has all of the experience um, coming into MMA with just what he's what he's done and, and his striking capabilities. But um and what I actually learned about him today too is that he's training with people like Alex Alexander Gustafsson, um, and, and with, you know, very talented people. Um, In that division, that are probably trying to grow his skill set in MMA. So, I again, I think I actually kind of favor him to be, you know, the guy who transitioned from the striking game into MMA and um, favor him to be more successful, at least this weekend, than in Israel. I have more confidence in him. Um, But he is coming off of a knee injury. And I think Khalil Roundtree is someone that, you know, we've seen really grow and want to be active and want to add to his skill set too. I can definitely see this being, um, I don't want to say fight of the night, but definitely one that people are talking about and, and one that's probably going to set the tone of the night too of just being kind of a bloody war. I know Khalil wants, says he wants to stand up and bang with him. And so I think that's really what it's going to go down to. Um, you know, is he going to want to chance standing and striking and and does he feel that confident in those skills or is he going to you know get a taste of of goal uh Gokhan's striking and then want to just take it to the ground and um you know use that skill set of of mixing up his game to edge out a decision my prediction i, mean... I th- oh. my prediction would be I think that, yeah, my prediction is I think that Khalil and his team are going to play it smart. I think that it's going to be a dangerous first round, but then they're going to realize that they don't want to stand up and bang with him so much. I just think that he doesn't want to um, lose momentum that he has of people believing in his skills and and get another loss added to his record. What are you thinking?
0: I agree. I think that, um, look, are you trying to win or are you trying to be exciting? Because if you're <laughs> trying to win, I favor you, Khalil every day of the week. If he's trying to prove a point to say he can knock out Gokun Saki, then it becomes a lot more even. I think just on experience, you can't disrespect a guy like Gokan like that. Um, I agree with you. I think that Khalil just has a lot more mentally that he wants to prove. I think that he's not going to get lured into it. I think he got matched up with Saki because... They thought he'll probably stand with him, but the truth is, I feel like Gokan Sorry, I like Khalil is gonna play it smart. If he doesn't have it going, he is gonna pull that out of his game, and he's gonna slow down Saki. And I, don't, I think he could get a knockout. I think both of them can, but I think it's more than likely that Khalil gets him down and gets a TKO with ground and pound late first, maybe the second.
1: All right. Well, I mean, we have an exciting fight card, even with the loss that we did have to take. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: I mean, from the top, I mean, so we said we're going with Stipe Miasic. I'm taking Francis Ngannou. You have Derek Lewis, correct?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Then we also have Michael Chiesa, Anthony Pettis. We are split. I'm going Chiesa. You're going Anthony. And then we're both going Khalil Roundtree. Also, late edition... Mike Perry. I mean, Paul Felder, I think people would say is a better fighter. Mike Perry is just an exciting guy. Um, I don't even know if I can pick that one just because it's so last minute, but I do anticipate that one being a fun one as well. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think that Paul Felder has been wanting a fight that kind of brings a little more attention to him. So I see him wanting to make it an exciting fight. Um, And I think that obviously, you know, we know Mike Perry can deliver one of those too. Again, this is another fight where I want to see Mike Perry's growth and and, and evolve uh, or evolution from the past couple of fights and what he's learned from those. So uh, it's an exciting fight for for both guys for me just because I want to see that Mike Perry is growing because we know he has the – we know he wants to deliver – barn burners but we also know that he has the personality now i just want to see his skill set follow that too but then i'm also such a big fan of paul felder i've loved and you know he is one of those guys that for some reason even though he's doing so well is kind of underlooked you know obviously it's a very popular division but
0: um
1: i think that this is that that breakout fight that could really get a lot more attention um behind him so i love that he joined this card
0: yeah, I think it's going to be good fun. I'm glad that he's getting the pay-per-view spotlight. I think that's just fitting, considering how his, you know, just everything that happened with James Vick and everything. So I think it's going to be fun. I think that, um, like I said, it's not UFC 225, but there are a lot of fun stylistic matchups, a lot of fights that look like they should produce some great fireworks, as is fitting after the 4th of July. So... I'm excited, but Kayla, I'll give you the final word. Just what are you most looking forward to this weekend?
1: I am most looking forward to the main event. I really think that this was a, you know, this is, that's the top fight that's really setting um, the excitement behind this whole card. So that's probably the fight I'm most looking forward to. And yeah, just I guess recapping everything. I feel like we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week. I
0: was gonna say they're talking about this one. The winner of Steepy, sorry, Stepe and DC is in the conversation as the goat, the greatest of all time. Do you think that's correct?
1: I think that that could definitely be, um, you know, argued or or um, debated, because Stepe's has already been able to successfully pull off something that, you know, no heavyweight has done. Um, Daniel Cormier being able to be the second uh, champion in, in two different divisions. And you know what I really like is Daniel Cormier had thrown out the word retirement, but in the press conference yesterday, he mentioned, you know, a few people mentioned there's some exciting fights for him at heavyweight if he decided to stick around. And he even said, it'd be hard for me to just win that belt and then leave it. So it almost has kind of a you know resurgence of of where his mindset's at and and what he might do if he wins it. So yeah, I, I think that that's definitely something that could be debated. What about you? I
0: th- I think look, the big criticism is DC has never beat John Jones. John Jones never won the heavyweight title. Also, um, look, they both. They're both really great guys. I think that um, Stipe is already... When you're already being considered better than Fedor as a heavyweight, you really got to consider that he might just be that good in terms of his skills all time. That's putting him up there with Demetrius Johnson, Anderson, GSP, John Jones. His skills are just up there. You'd argue the same thing for Daniel Cormier if he gets the victory. So I think that this has a very big importance. I wrote a piece that's going to be out later today that I think the winner of this, both of them are on the track for the hall of fame, but history is going to remember one of them a lot bigger after tomorrow night. And I think that's saying a lot. So yeah, I'm with you. The heavyweight, uh, super fight tomorrow, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be recapping that next week. And of course, going to MMA news and all of the exciting stuff that happens. Kayla, where can fans find you on social media to talk about this
1: insane weekend of fights? Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you?
0: Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll see you guys next week.